Greetings members old and new, and welcome back to the Possibility Department, your one-stop shop for the modern-day occultist. If you find yourself entertaining the possibilities of anything and everything when it comes to the great unknown, then this is the place for you. My name is Luciana and I'll be your host as we dive into what I like to call spiritual and psychological templates for living our lives, interpreting our lives, and creating change in our lives. Take what you like, toss what you don't, and remember that what we talk about on this podcast is just as far-fetched as the concept of any higher power. Alright, let's talk about some weird sh- Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Possibility Department podcast. In this episode, I have something that's a little different for you. I know we talk about a lot of witchcraft stuff and occult stuff, but also important to remember that we also talk about self-development. And today I have a treat for you. I interviewed Anjali Simone, who is a vintage self-portrait artist, and we talked about self-love and self-confidence, which are building blocks, I think, to building a successful life. Successful being subjective, right? Whatever you consider to be success is your success. But it's a building block to self-development in general, right? When we feel better about ourselves, when we feel good about ourselves, when we love ourselves, that's truly like the building block to everything else. And so we talk about her journey with that. Um, She shoots and edits all of her own photos. She's someone who's really comfortable in front of the camera and taking photos with herself and so, or taking photos of herself. And so I think this is interesting because a lot of us have trouble kind of um, being in front of a camera, looking at pictures of ourselves. I think it's really common for us to pick apart photos of ourselves, um, to not be comfortable having our photo taken. And that can be seen as sort of like a a test of how comfortable we are with sort of viewing ourselves. Um, And Anjali is someone who models for the photos and takes the photos of herself and edits the photos of herself. So she has to be like constantly looking at herself for long periods of time. And I think that takes a certain level of of self-love and confidence to be able to do that and to put that forward. Um, And she does so beautifully and with so much joy. And you'll see in the interview, she's just like one of those people who's... um, a ball of light, you know, just like a a joyous, beautiful ball of light um, out shining her light into the world. And so I'm excited for you to hear this. Um, But of course, I can't go any further without first thanking my sponsor level patrons. Um, These are the patrons on level three and level four. We're going that extra mile to help the possibility department to become something bigger, badder, and better. So thank you so much to Benna, Sydney, Sandra, Brianna, Jewel, Amy, Susie, Mariella, Erica, Brittany, Ingrid, Faith, Tara, Myriad, Noel, Sarah, and Luna. Whew. The list keeps getting longer. Thank you so much for your support over on level three and level four of Patreon. Thank you to everyone else who has joined level one and level two. Keep in mind, as you listen to this, you can watch the video instead if you become a patron at level one, which is the $5 
level. Um, if you enjoy my content, if you like what I do, and if you want to support me to create more, a great way you can support me is by heading over to Patreon. And if you can't do that, another way that you could support me is by leaving me a review. Um, I would really appreciate if you would leave me a review. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this interview. I had a lot of fun talking to her and I'm sure that you're gonna get all the little self-love golden nuggets that I got out of it. So without further ado, our interview with a vintage self-portrait artist, Anjali Simone. All right, welcome to the Possibility Department podcast, Anjali Simone. Hey, I'm so nervous slash happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy you're on. I've been, you already know, I've been kind of your long-term admirer on Instagram because you take the most beautiful photos and you take them all yourself and you edit them yourself. And so I've been excited to just talk to you in general. Um, so I think my first question for you is kind of a selfish one, um, okay. especially because when I first started my business to go into just like the tiniest little story, but when I first started my business, I noticed that at first I didn't take any pictures of myself. Um, and when I started to, I started to get more engagement on the pictures of myself than of just like my products, which really surprised me because I had a lot of confidence issues and I thought, you know, that I don't know you, you, we get this idea that like, we don't have the Instagram look, I guess, but in reality, people just kind of want to connect with people. Like you don't have to have whatever the Instagram look is. Mm -hmm. And so it's been kind of a, a journey to get used to like taking pictures of myself and seeing pictures of myself. And I know that a lot of people resonate with that and they have trouble with that. And so my question is like, what led you on the path of becoming someone who is you know, the model, the editor, the photographer, like you do everything. You're taking yeah. pictures of yourself and knowing how to pose possibly, I guess, without really seeing the full view of what's going on <laughs> yeah. and then going back and editing and just like that whole process, this kind of like one woman band. So what's the process? How did that happen? Tell us the story. Okay. And yeah, I am a one woman show and I am definitely the first person to say that uh, because people love to email and go, when you get your photographer, I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's me. Everything is me. Um, so what really started it was when I was younger, I wanted to be a model, but I was I mean, I'm like a lot of people. I did not have very high self-esteem. I was the only Black person in my school. I was also deaf. And so I was very by myself. The boys, I was also really tall growing up. So the boys didn't want to date me when I thought I might want to dabble in the boys. And nobody really was close enough to me to understand what I was going through. So I was just very down and out and alone. And, but I still, I wanted to be a model. I saw Tyra and America's Next Top Model. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that one day. And, but I didn't have photographers. I didn't have tools. So what started was I would like creative direct these photo shoots. I would have my little sister with a, like a flip phone or something. That's <laughs> and awesome. I'd be like, all right, 
I'm going to climb this tree in this really long dress and I need you to stand down here and take these pictures for me. And because I'm the big sister, they're going to do what I say. (laughs) And she would like (laughs) sit down there and take the pictures for me. And then I would use just like some quick filter, whatever was available back then. I'd slap something on there. And I actually ended up using those as my senior pictures. Uh, for the very yeah yeah just like some cell phone photos of my senior pictures and then from that point on I kind of realized I was like this is something I I like putting on outfits I've always been a fashionista and I can make my sister take my pictures so let me do that and it just kind of (laughs) it just kind (laughs) of started from there and then when I went to college and I decided to take modeling more seriously whatever you can do in your free time in college, I guess. Uh, I I didn't have my sisters with me. So then I had to jump in front of the camera and run from self-timer or find some way to like, I would take like a pen and like stand arm's length and push the button with the pen and like strategically keep my arm out of That's the That's so shot. smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like little things like that. Um, I just, I wasn't going to let my lack of access to uh, resources stop me from building a portfolio, which is something once again, Tyra is like, you need to have a portfolio, a good portfolio. And so it was really modeling that started it all. That was what I wanted to do. Wow. I mean, like the level of resilience there though, to say like, I'm not going to let any of like the lack of resources or anything stop me. I'm going to do this anyways, even, even if I, I have to use a, a pen to push kid. the button. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I was ballsy. I mean, there were definitely uh, times where I think people looked at me and were like, girl, you are so vain because (laughs) this was like before Instagram was a thing. I don't even think I didn't have an Instagram. I think I've had Instagram for about seven years now, but people had Instagram before me and didn't even have one yet. Uh, so this was like before Instagrammer was like a career. This was back when, you know, you still, there weren't models that got famous on the internet. They had to go places to get Mm -hmm. famous. So me sitting around with my camera phone, taking pictures, people definitely were like, that girl, the Venus girl, (laughs) we know. (laughs) That girl, (laughs) she needs a reality check. And people were willing to give me a reality check. They're willing to be like, you won't be a model. You won't do this. You won't be able to do that. And because, I mean, what what are you going to do? I'm a girl taking pictures of herself. Like, yeah, that's all you really thought. I I feel like that's all those people really thought to do, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you were kind of just, you you were just ahead of your times though. Like you were just waiting for the Instagram era (laughs) to show up so that you could fully embrace it. Definitely hoping and praying for an Instagram someday. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess that leads me into kind of my next question. You know, the reason why I love your photos so much is because you really like, you exude so much beauty and confidence and in a lot of the photos, just like joy, you know, like a huge kind of like smile and just so in the moment and I I think I told you in one of the messages when I invited you on that like when I look at those photos there's this feeling of like damn I want to feel the way she feels in that photo you know like I want to I want to feel like that I want to feel like that in front of a camera I want to feel like that in real life like I want to feel so comfortable in myself that I kind of embody that um 
And so I guess my question is, you know, for those of us who are still kind of going through this process, and I'm sure you are too, everyone is always going through the process of like self-love and confidence, but do you have any tips as far as like loving yourself and building that confidence? So when I first started taking my pictures, I, I love when people bring up my smile now because when I first started taking my pictures, I was trying to be like model fear. So I was always like, like my favorite part is your smile (laughs) I was like always scowling and I scowled for years I don't think I started smiling till about a year ago um yeah uh it was just I started smiling as a way to kind of I I don't want to look mad anymore first off but (laughs) second off I just wanted to feel happy because in my journey of self-love my my journey has always been me looking for love everywhere because I, I didn't get it. Like I said, I was an outcast. So I felt very isolated and I felt very alone. And so anytime I could, you know, look for that love and receive that love from outside, I, I was on it. Like I yeah. was, I, I took that love, but it was never enough. It was never enough to make me smile genuinely. It was always just like, let me smile so that they'll love me more. Mm. And so in my journey of self-love, I kind of got to this point and I say it a lot to people is you need to treat yourself like your own best lover and your own best friend. And I have started using this as a tool to kind of remind myself, like, if I was on the other side of that camera and I was looking at somebody I really, really loved, how would that look? It wouldn't look like an angry scowl. You know, it would look like happiness. It would look like tenderness. It would look like joy. It would feel euphoric. And I want to feel that love for myself. And I want to be able to exude that kind of love so that even when I look back on my photos, I go, this is nice. This is happy. This is warm. Because I just, I want to love myself the best I can. I I don't care about those outside loves anymore. Like I want to give myself the best. So and that reads in your photos. It truly, it truly does. Like it just, it, it exits the screen of the phone and it just, it really like exudes. I was really insecure about my smile. So when I started doing it, people started bringing it up. I was like, that's funny. Isn't that (laughs) wild? Isn't that usually how it works? Like the thing that you're most insecure about people, I think because the things that we're most insecure about maybe are the things that are, I don't know, maybe a little more different or maybe different than the norm. And people actually kind of like things that are different from the norm. You know what I mean? They kind of pick that out and they actually enjoy it, you know? And so we were too hard on ourselves, I think. Way too hard on ourselves. Oh, way too hard on ourselves (laughs) all the time. Well, I mean, like, so what did the journey of becoming sort of who you are now and, and what you do now, would you say that? maybe like playing with creativity and aesthetics plays a big part in in finding that inner confidence figuring out like what you love to wear um how you love to look um how big of a part does like trying things play in kind of building that confidence because i think a lot of us and me included for i just now started wearing clothes that like like aren't a t-shirt and jeans in the past <laughs> maybe 2 years you know, and we get stuck in these ruts where we just kind of like wear the same things and do the same things. And it's like, this is how I've always looked. This is how I've always done it. And it kind of boxes you in. 
So like how much of a part has playing with aesthetics played in your journey thus far? So the funny thing about my aesthetics is I think people see aesthetics as like a creative thing. But for me, aesthetics has always been a survival tool. Um, yeah, because it was like, first I was the only black kid, so I might as well dress as whatever as I wanted to. So I was always the fashionista because, I mean, I was already going to stand out. So why not stand out more? And if I'm going to yeah. stand out, stand out in a good way. You know? <laughs> um, and then I went to college. And it was like one of those time periods where that was the first time I ever got into vintage. So I, I got to college, got into vintage. And then there was a period of time in there where I got into a really, really bad relationship. And that was really the breaking down of my whole self journey experience. And my fashion kind of just took like a, a darker turn I was in a period where I was definitely not nourishing myself very well and I was not taking care of myself the way that I would have liked to and so I was like whittling away I had no clothes that would fit me and so all my clothes were kind of baggy and they were dark and they were just very reflective of that and it was a way to fit with my partner because I was still trying to receive love from the outside Mm. And so it was like me whittling down to fit into her box physically and just, you know, metaphorically. And then when that relationship broke off, that's when my fashion just switched so, so much in that time period because all of a sudden I was on my own and I didn't know who to be on my own without a person there. Oh, yeah. And I also needed to survive. And so this was also the time period where I don't want to say it was the hottest of my life, but it was definitely a point where I realized I was hot. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I needed to survive. I was living out of my car with my dog and we needed to figure out what to do. And so I just started dressing like a hot little rock star. And, you know, I was wearing lingerie as outerwear and do my own little thing. And that's where the rocker thing came in. And that's ironically enough where I hit my Tumblr fame period. Ooh, Tumblr. <laughs> so, okay. So Tumblr. you were a Tumblr girl? You were... <laughs> oh, I was a Tumblr girl. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was my big Tumblr fame. It went from like this rocker moment to when I was finally in like a home I uh, hit like a goth phase, which is a natural transition. I feel like rock to goth mm -hmm. and Tumblr still ate that stuff up. And it wasn't until once again, recently that I was able to find myself and give myself love purely from a place of just me again, where I'm finding myself back into vintage, but incorporating all this previous aesthetics because they're, they're all still a part of me. They just were a survival tool in all of these places. Um, I think when it comes to self-confidence, I think aesthetics can play a part in that, but I think aesthetics are a lot more complicated mm -hmm. than we like to give it credit for. Because, I mean, if it was that simple, we'd all be dressed up and looking, I mean, the world would be just a clown plethora of different styles, but it's it's not that way. People can't afford to dress the way they want to look and mm -hmm. that should be given grace. People uh, sometimes just don't know 
because I come from a religious background. So I never would have known to wear lingerie as outerwear. Right. Uh, yeah. That never would have happened if I never had a chance to just be completely on my own. I just, I think aesthetics can play a part, but I think it really more just come from reevaluating yourself, looking yeah. at yourself and wondering where that love truly comes from. Wow. That was an incredible answer. <laughs> and I mean, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way, but I love what you said about using it as a tool because I had kind of a, a similar experience. Those who listen know that I spent a good portion of my childhood like in Brazil. And when I moved back to America, first of all, it was kind of a culture shock. Like I wasn't even used to hearing people speaking English anymore. So they kind of sounded like the adults on Charlie Brown. You know, I was like, what? It was very shocking. The food was shocking. Everything was shocking. I was going through a shock. Um, and we moved to just the, the tiniest, it, tiniest little place. Um, and me and my sister kind of suffered with this dynamic of people asking us like where we were from, where our dad was from, why he had an accent, you know, just like uncomfortable kind of things. And we had a lot of trouble, obviously, kind of like making friends and fitting in. And so I went, I did what you did, but I went the, the opposite way where I, I purposely dressed kind of like crazy but not in like a good fashionista way but like just in the worst <laughs> yeah way that you possibly could like I, I straight up looked like a clown going to school every day because I thought I, I when I look back on it now I think I was creating even more of a barrier of like don't talk to me like don't you know like if, if I'm not going to be spoken yeah. to if you're not going to take me in then here's even more of a barrier for you to like talk about me and talk bad about me even more and like not speak to me um and it was wild. I'll, you know what? I'll DM you a picture after this Please. for your eyes only. Please. <laughs> no one else can see. Please. Um, but I, it all makes sense with what you're saying. We kind of also use aesthetics and clothes and things as kind of like a, a survival tool and also maybe a communication tool with, with the people around us. So that's like the psychology of that is really interesting. Um, so now doing what you do, do you suffer at all from kind of like the comparisonitis? Um, because the Instagram world is hard on everyone, I think. Seeing other people's, whether, you know, whether you do photography or you're in business or no matter what you're doing, I'm constantly looking at other people who have similar businesses to mine. I'm like, oh, they're doing this thing and so much better than me. And look at this following and look at that. And so in your arena, do you deal with that at all? And how do you deal with it? Like I said, I've been on Instagram seven years and mm -hmm. I am hopefully soon going to break 3000 followers, which is just ridiculous for the amount of time I've been on that platform. Uh, not to be like, I'm not grateful for my 3000, but I understand what you're saying because I look at my following and <laughs> I'm like, know? I work really hard. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing. It's I'm a one woman show. Like this is this is a lot of work and a lot mm -hmm. of stress that I used to put on myself. And I only have I, I'm just now, like I said, almost hitting three thousand. I think what's really helped me now is building a community because the difference between me now and then the version of me that was comparison comparison will always exist I am a perfectionist at heart comparison will always exist to some degree you have to accept it 
mm-hmm. and just kind of acknowledge it and then just move on. But building the community I have has really, really helped because now I have people who send me books they're reading and I have people that share me. And it's really nice because they're also white people and not to bring race into this, but I definitely know for sure that part of my hindrance of success comes from the place that, I mean, I'm a black person trying to be in this market and there were plenty of white people and I would, you know, look at their, their marketing. I would look at how they're doing their thing and I would be posting just as often. I would be, you know, following the hashtags. I'd be doing all of that, you know, really, really intense research. And I just was not hitting the same kind of marks. Yeah. And it could be a because they're white. It also could be it's easier for them to build that sense of community, whatever it was. Now I have that. I can't change the fact that I'm black, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I can give myself a community. And that has helped combat a lot of that because even in my Instagram polls, I get to straight up ask questions now, like, so how are y'all feeling about what's going on right now? I, I feel just like my saw, picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, like, like, and my DMs fail up all the time. They're like, we have this to say, we have that to say. And I'm like, I finally get to openly complain in a way that doesn't make me feel whiny, but gives everybody an insight to what is going on and why this is so hard and and uh, why I'm having the struggles that I'm having or why it's so hard for me to sometimes stay motivated on it, you know, yeah. on Instagram. So it, it comes down to community, really. Uh, having people that support you, having friends in your real life that support you, having family. My mom, she is the original blogger. She started, I don't even know what year she started her blogger, her blog, but she was blogging when I was like 14. Whoa. So yeah, yeah and that's <laughs> over a decade ago. I feel gross saying that. <laughs> in real life, I'm that old. But uh, yeah, she was mommy blogger back in the day and so it's nice to talk to her too because I mean she she was part of the group that started it all you know yeah so yeah that support yeah I, I love that answer basing it on like the support and the community and I mean absolutely I've seen like articles and studies that theorize that even the algorithm works against people of color or people who just don't look like a certain way or aren't interacting mm-hmm. in a certain way and so it Have does you make... seen an article on TikTok? No, I'm not on TikTok. There was an article about TikTok uh, and how they suppress the videos of what people might find ugly. And oh my God. Yeah, yeah. So there's an actual, and it's, I mean, they said it, it came out of the horse's mouth. So what is considered ugly? So that could include Black people, that could include people with disabilities, that could include, you know, people that are fat, like that that can include so many different people. And that's just like how their algorithm is actually set up. So it's like, how do we move forward when like social media might be working against anyone that doesn't fit an exact box, you know, that's so... So, I mean, does that play into, I'm assuming it does. Well, you made that video called self-care for black girls. So Mm -hmm. does, I'm assuming that that plays a role in your self-care and your practices and might add 
I guess, extra steps that you have to take to kind of navigate this world that might possibly be, or not possibly is, kind of working against your content being shown to others, right? Yeah. I mean, I most of the time, I honestly don't even keep my phone on me. Mm-hmm. I like to use Instagram on my computer, like my physical desktop. That's a good idea. Because, yeah, it just, it basically puts a limit on me from like sitting there and scrolling and then the comparison because now I've been sitting on the app for so long that my brain just kind of gets bored and then I need to get occupied with something else. My brain gets occupied with comparison. Yeah. And and so then I'm just like doom scrolling. And so I just, I don't need it on me if I'm not doing any work with it, you know? That's smart. That's, that's the way to go. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, feeding into like self-development and maybe even shifting gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know that you've talked about, um, you did a video on your YouTube, which for everyone, her YouTube will be linked on kind of like vision boarding and manifestation. Um, and so kind of tying that in, I would love to know, how do you view that process and how has it helped you? Is it more of like a psychological tool for you? Is there you know, the, the belief that there's something else like that mysterious X factor here on the podcast. We talk about that all the time. Um, most of us here listening and, you know, we kind of sit on the fence of like, which is it doesn't really matter. Cause it's working anyways. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'd love to know your take on that since vision boarding is something that you do. So I started vision boarding because I just needed, I needed direction and I needed answers. I was kind of feeling a little like, huh, I didn't think I'd make it this far, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. I, it sounds sad, but, you know, when, I mean, like I said, I've been homeless. I've been in these terrible situations. I kind of just did not know what to do. And now I love myself enough to know that, well, now I got to figure out what to do. You yeah. know, we're we're going to be hanging out together for a while, buddy. Like, what right. are we going to do? Yeah. Um, and so I started vision boarding really as a way to kind of give myself goals, you know, to make myself look at something and go, you know, I think that's something I want. And the first thing I ever vision boarded was me and Randy are looking at moving and he sent me this house. And I was like, this is the best house we didn't get it it's an all pink house though Uh, and it was like a castle (laughs) it had like a tower and I was like this is amazing and then I instantly saw the car that I wanted which is a little red t-bird and I was like this is perfect outside my pink house yeah and in that moment I was like I know what I want Mm -hmm. if it's not this house I want something that makes me feel as good as this does right and that was what started me vision boarding and making me sit down with my goals. Do I think vision boarding works? I don't know. Right. You know, it makes me feel good. And I know that in making myself feel good and in make, making myself see these goals, I've worked harder as a result mm-hmm. and things have come out of it. Yeah. So what, I'm not going to question the process. Uh, right, yeah. That could be the spiritual beings. And thank you if it is, but it could also just be my brain. I don't know, but I'm right. very appreciative either way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this might be kind of a random question, but I know you've talked about on your channel a lot, um, you know, kind of coming from a dark place and some different like books and content that have helped to kind of bring you out of it. Um, 
And so for anyone who is kind of feeling that way, do you have maybe a specific book recommendation or just any tips to kind of get them to that next step where they're like, okay, we're hanging out here for a while? I realized I had an issue with codependency disorder and I read this book called Codependent No More and I cannot think of who the author it's Melody is, Beatty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I haven't read this it, but book, I've thought of it, yeah. This book changed my life. Yeah. It seriously changed my life after I read it. Like, I immediately sent the text message to my little sisters. I was like, you guys need to go get this book. Get it from your local library. I don't care. Go mm-hmm. get this book. I sent it to a couple friends of mine. I was like, this book is the book. You need to read it. Like, I just... I've tried to read other books after it and I do read, I like to read a lot of self-help books. And so I do read books after it, but that book is just, that's, that's the book. Yeah. That is the one. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought of it. It's a good book for anybody who is like a child of an addict or a child of maybe not an addict, but a a situation where you had to parent your parents. Mm, Yeah. It's yeah. a really good book for those people. So, yeah. Well, I'll link that below for everyone as well. Um, and then my next question is kind of so, you know, looking at it kind of where you were in that place and where you are now, where you're kind of, you know, moving forward. Are there any practices that you do every day? Any, whether that's, you know, manifestation or self development or ritual or even just, I mean, looking at your photos they have like this timeless feel like you're just like this vintage queen living in a vintage castle you know is there anything that you do kind of in your day-to-day life to to help feel that way when you're on and off camera I I know that the feeling probably doesn't always translate because none of us are in bliss (laughs) every five seconds every day you know but um do you have anything that you do to kind of keep that that joy that I talked about going Okay. So there's two things. There's one thing I let myself get bored, like genuinely completely bored. Like when you were a kid in the nineties, like I would, (laughs) (laughs) I would, like I said, I don't keep my phone on me. Typically I make sure the TV is off, no music on because we're all culprits of like having music or podcasts on in the background, like Mm -hmm. no music on just sitting in my house, completely quiet and just sit there and let myself get bored, let myself go, it'd be nice to draw or something. (laughs) Because in that practice, it allowed me to get, I mean, get to the point where I'm like, oh, I want to draw or, oh, now I have a really great idea for a photo. Like it allows my brain to kind of shut off because we're in this state of like constant stimulation all the time. Like we're always being fed information. And so it's really hard for us to just sit and let things come to us authentically or let nothing come to you and be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just let myself get genuinely bored. Uh, That's the first thing. (laughs) That's such a good tip, though, because I mean, you're right. I mean, even when I am doing things that I guess are less active, I always have a music in the background. I always have a podcast in the background. I always have some form of media I guess kind of blaring at me and that media sort of like translates into your actions and you know all of everything just keeps firing in your brain like oh yeah I should do that thing and that thing and that thing and that thing and then the next thing you know you're scrolling on Instagram and it's like it's just this never-ending loop 
Whereas if you take all that stimulation away, I, I guess it would just kind of give you the inspiration of like, I'm going to draw or just sit on my balcony and watch the birds. So I think, <laughs> yeah, there are many times where I just sit there and I'm like, all right, well, let's be bored outside and throw the ball and play fetch with the boys. <laughs> like sometimes I have to get up and I'm like, all right, I can't just be bored on this couch today. This is yeah. not happening. But yeah, that is the first thing I do. And then the se- second thing that I do is I always try to invite little elements of luxury because I didn't have luxury growing up. So like, it's nice now because I realized that luxury doesn't have to be expensive. It's mm-hmm. just like for a minute, I was in a phase of putting lemon in my water and like, you can get like a lemon for a couple of cents at the grocery right. store and it'll last you a whole week. You just slice it up and then you put that into your water and yep. it makes you feel like you're at a restaurant and I only drink out of straws. So that's always how metal straws. We are not doing plastic straws here yeah <laughs> uh, because I'm able I'm understanding that there are also people that need plastic straws but it's just I mean it's nice to just invite those little itty bitty elements I put perfume that's my latest obsession right now is perfume uh because I got some like Kat Von D I know she's like a bad terrible person but these were on super duper sale and I guess the money like I got it secondhand so it doesn't go to her but I got exactly them. there you go. Yeah, yeah, I got them. And uh, every single day, I'm just like, you know, even in my pajamas, I started spraying on my pillow, like it's just yeah. like a little element, a little boost that makes me feel fancier than maybe I actually am. But who cares? It makes me feel good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it invites that little, it makes me smile. You know, when I wave my arms, and I can smell like my lotion or something. I'm like, this is nice you know yeah you you are speaking my language there those those are (laughs) I mean I I will literally google like life's little luxuries like (laughs) yeah luxurious ways to spend your time you know and because I'm, I'm always trying to like sort of embody you know like what if I did have a ton of time what if, what if I did have like enough money to, you know, sustain myself for the next two years and have food and rent and all of that stuff, like Mm -hmm. in the bank, you know, how would that feel? What would I be doing? You know, um, I wouldn't be scrolling on Instagram. I'd be on my balcony reading a book and (laughs) sipping champagne. You know, Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what it is. And that's also brought my new obsession with wine. Now I'm trying to get into wine and I'm learning about wines and I'm like, that's because I would truly be looking over my balcony, sipping a glass of wine right now. Right. If I had all of the things that life could afford, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if, I feel like I've seen this correlation a lot between people who are really into like vintage aesthetics and vintage lifestyles and Mm -hmm. kind of like life's little luxuries and turning things off. Because we've sort of, we've, I think we've lost a lot of life's little luxuries because we're constantly connected probably to your first point that we're always kind of connected yeah. to something and intaking media. Whereas before when that wasn't an option, you know, when you did have time where you weren't clocked in or working, your options were just like going outside and enjoying the sun or like, you know, actually sitting down and having a real conversation with whoever lives in your household. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. 
I guess my question is, are you inspired not only by vintage aesthetic, but maybe also by some elements of vintage life? Not all, because obviously we don't want to go backwards in history. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, like the romantic movie parts of it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I... I've always been a romantic Mm -hmm. and to me that time period really really embodies romanticism and I think I think also just a practicality element it does take like even right now I'm wearing a corset it took me a little bit of time I had to like lace it up and then put myself into it so it's not like I could just throw I mean I could just throw on a hoodie and be on here that's no big deal but I chose to put a little bit extra in my step by yeah. putting on my corset and, and it just takes a little bit of extra time practically yeah but I do think that I just think the vintage lifestyle some elements when you do look at them there's just a, a sense of just you know it smells good so mm-hmm. you're yeah. Like, so <laughs> yeah and how can I not be inspired by something I know smells good you know so it's a great point I think it all ties into self-love as well, because like those little things, you know, like putting the lemon in your water, like taking a second to read a book, sitting out in the sun, like, you know, sitting out in the sun, putting lotion on your body, putting lotion, it doesn't cost much. You know what I mean? And it's stuff you probably already have at home. And it's an act of, of self-love that sort of continues. It keeps the ball rolling and keeps you inspired, I think as well, which is a big Mm -hmm. part of kind of like continuing to develop and to feel good. Um, and so I guess, I mean, do you think that that adds kind of like a, maybe, you know, magic, kind of like a feeling of magic (laughs) to life, these acts of, of, you know, self-love and, and confidence and taking time, um, do you think that I guess that's part of the secret sauce to maybe a, a happy life? Definitely. Like yeah. hands down, I feel like I feel like when I wake up, there might as well be birds like carrying my clothes from my closet to my bed for me, honestly. <laughs> uh, and it just makes me feel that much better. Like I said before, I did not come from like a happy, peppy place. Mm-hmm. And my entire mood has changed probably within the last couple months. And it's because of these little luxuries and these little routines I've included. Like it just makes my life feel like the little sparkle emoji. Like it just yes. makes me feel <laughs> just so like, and even when I'm feeling bad, it's it, it just doesn't last the same way it did before. It's not mm-hmm. like this constant cloud that's looming over me. It's just this little cloud, but then the sun pokes out there and I get to go, how nice is that? I mean, I know it's a partly cloudy day, so you're going to disappear again, but yeah, it is really nice that the sun was there for a second, you know? So. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> I resonate with so so much of that because I mean for the past couple of years people who listen know that my intro into like um you know kind of the self-development and the metaphysical and everything really started with like looking at my environment and trying to like curate my environment to match the person that I wanted to be and how I wanted to like feel inside and to me that's made such a difference and I can see how it would make a difference for you as well because you're a Virgo so (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I am. I, and I'm definitely a Virgo. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But to think of it from this element of like, it's not, you're not just curating your life for the sake of doing it. It's also, it's also like an act of devotion to yourself and an act of like love to yourself. Um, and to know that like you're worth that extra time, you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're worth doing it. So mm-hmm. I think that's super beautiful. Well, I would love if you could tell my listeners like where we can find you, how we can support you, everything will be linked, but if you want to let us know. Yeah. So I have a website, uh, I'm and I actually keep everything there. So like, if you want to check out my Instagram, that's linked on there. If you want to check out my YouTube, that is also linked on there. Everything is linked on that page. Worked really hard on that page. So I love to talk about it. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I take my pictures, I post them on Instagram and then I once in a while post videos on YouTube and I'd like to do that more often, but we'll see, you know? <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, I will link everything for everyone. Guys, make sure you subscribe to her on YouTube. Definitely follow on Instagram for just like joy and inspiration (laughs) and everything she exudes, like I was saying. And thank you so much for being on here, Anjali. It's been it's been a pleasure. And I feel like I've intaken some self-love just by talking to you. Thank you so much for having me here. And you are like, I was so nervous about this, but you are such a great like interviewer. Oh, thank you. Really, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So please keep up with this because like you made me feel good here. So thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Please go to the links below wherever you're listening or watching this and subscribe to her on YouTube, follow her on Instagram, check out her website and offerings there. And thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for following the possibility department and our journey. Thank you for meeting our various guests that we've had here. Um, And thank you for being you and supporting me. Um, Stay mysterious.